Radio Star Off the Page presents And the Cigars Will Burn All Night Long The Dreams of the Common Man by Ruben Raskin Act 1 There is a chaise lounge located center stage the kind that would not be unfamiliar in the office of a psychologist. On a desk nearby are an alarm clock, a lamp, and some books, the kind one would read at night before going to bed. Person one is lying on the chaise, asleep on his back. The dream is always the same. There I am, in some foreign country. I think it's France. I've never been to France, but still, here I am. Well, there I was, in this foreign country, where I don't speak the language. And it's night, in a seedy part of town, and uh, I can't remember why I'm there for the life of me. I have no idea, but I'm there still. The section of town I'm in, it has the same layout as my old middle school. I haven't been back to middle school in almost 30 years, but there it is. And I remember all the places, the the little nook where I would hide during games of tags so no one could find me, the hut made of twigs and leaves that our environmentally conscious kindergarten teacher made us build, Uh, the art room, the gym, the big asphalt field where we would always play and eat lunch. And there I am again, at my middle school, which have become Parisian back alleys in the dodgy part of town, and I don't remember why or how I got to the place, but I witness a murder that's happening or something. As the landscape changes, and I'm suddenly outside my old school, I see these two guys who are dressed in suits, mafiosos, I can tell. Anyone who's seen The Godfather would be able to tell. So, there they are. And I've just seen them kill somebody, so I think, Oh, crap, i got to skedaddle out of here. And where did that southern accent come from? I can't think about that. I have to evade the mafiosos who I just saw kill somebody. So I try to walk past them, you know, real casual-like, you know, so they don't realize it's me, the guy who just saw them kill someone. And just when I think I'm in the clear, I hear, After him. So I think to myself, well, I don't think, I just run. And my, in my sleeping body outside of the dream, it's like I can feel myself running. Whenever I wake up, my legs are always sore and I'm always aching after this dream. But anyways, they're chasing after me. Well, not necessarily because they're on rollerblades. Yeah. They're chasing after me. I'm running down these crowded French streets at night, which happen to be the most exact architectural layout of my middle school. And I'm running for my life and I don't want to die. Would you? No, they'd gut me like a kipper or a herring. So they're skating after me, and I'm running, and they're chasing, and I'm running, and I can tell they're gaining. So I find a piece of pipe, like the metallic kind that people would kill each other with in Clue. So I try try to trip the fella, and somehow we end up changing places. So I'm behind him, and he doesn't seem to notice. He just keeps skating on real quick-like. So I duck down a hallway or a side street, which is where I had third grade through fifth grade, and I go into a bathroom to hide. A bathroom that was never there before in my middle school. And then, when I figure it's safe, I go out, but somehow stumble into a classroom where this acting class is going on. So I'm like, oh, cool, acting. 
I love acting. It's fun, which is quite different than being chased by roller skating mafiosi. So I go in, and people are friendly, and it's nice, a happy, warm place. And I feel almost loved, or like I'm in a place where I can be myself. And then I wake up, and my heart is going a mile a minute, and I don't know what to think. My legs are sore like I've been running for miles. What does it mean? I'm on the banks of the River Ganges in India, in the exact same place I stood almost 19 years ago on my honeymoon. And on the riverbank are eggs. From the eggs hatch turtles, great beasts incredibly tall like dinosaurs. The great reptiles are hatching from equally large eggs on the banks of the Ganges. As the turtles hatch from their shells, they wade out into the Ganges. It's a raging river in my dream, and these great big turtles are carried off downstream in a very strong current. Off they go, and I just sit on the banks, gazing at their massive forms being swept off. I can't really move. I don't really try. But there I am, watching them to be carried off into the distance, down the river. My son is 18 years old. He graduates from high school in one month. From there, he goes off to college, half the world away. I talked to my younger son. He told me that the turtles represented my oldest son being carried off down the river of time. Off he goes. The turtles are so big because he has grown so much in the time I've seen him. The years I've spent with him now seem like months. Distant memories from a vacation in time, a sojourn to the past. What will he do with his life? What choices will he make? Will they be the right ones? I love him with all the fiber of my being. He is everything to me. I love him. And all I want is for him to be safe. This was my first non-recurring dream in almost 15 years. Before this dream, when I closed my eyes, there I was, always, at a beach. The same desolate, empty, unnamed, unknown beach. I'm in the water. I'm always in the water. And I'm surfing. I don't even know how to surf. I don't like the ocean, or beaches, or anything relating to the sun. But still, there I am, surfing. And I'm surfing this wave. It's quite large. It's growing immense in size, shape, and scope. It's a tidal wave, a tsunami, a typhoon, and I'm surfing it. When I first had this dream, I always capsized wiped out and disappeared beneath the depths of the great wave. As nights went on, I gradually stayed on the wave longer and longer until I learned subconsciously within my dream state to surf this wave and stay on top. When I was young, I was always pale, scared, alone, frightened of the world. As I grew into an adult, I was scared of everything. There was nothing that didn't remind me of how my dad died when I was nine, and my mother, in her state of grief and sadness, blamed me for his death. It was almost like an Oedipus complex. 
And all that, all that fear, all that sadness, that was the wave. That was what was drowning me, what was eating me alive on the inside. But as I grew to surfeit, I conquered the fear. I became who I was born to be. I was no longer afraid. A lack of fear. That's what it means. I only had this dream when I was a little kid, you know? Littler, at least, according to my daddy. Fourteen is not little. Well, he's always saying, you may be a teen, but you're still my little girl. Oh yeah, the dream. So, it was a recurring dream, but like I said, only when I was like four or five. I'm there walking along a street with my mommy. She's holding my hand and we're walking together. I love my mommy, and I still do. We were really close when I was at that age. I wish we still were. So we're walking along, and there's like this big hole in the ground, kind of like a pit. And there are these guys, you know, doing construction or whatever it is they're doing to this hole. And we're on the other side of the street, you know, me and my mom. And then like suddenly she's gone, and I'm there all alone. As a four or five-year-old, I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But she's gone. Like, disappeared into thin air. And it's really scary. I was really attached to my mom. She meant a lot to me. Not just at that age, but a lot in general. She inspired me, motivated me. She died of cancer 12 weeks ago. The dream came back. There I was again. Only now, instead of being embraced in her strong, safe arms, now she's gone for real. When I first had this dream, I thought I was going mad. Mad! I figured I was insane, you know? No dream could possibly be that weird. I went to see my shrink. I told him... I thought I was insane. He tells me, he says, We prefer the term deranged. <laughs> and he lets off this evil cackle. And that was two weeks ago. Never gone within three blocks of the insane. Oh, pardon me, deranged, nutcase, crackhead, quack of a shrink again. It started with something as simple as a pop. I was eating a bag of Lay's brand classic potato chips when I noticed, yeah, I was gaining some poundage, a little extra package, some bodies in the trunk, or whatever the hell the kids say, say these days, just more of me to love. So anyways, I was eating these chips, concerned about my figure, and I decided to see what I'm really putting inside me. Potatoes. Vegetable oil contains one or more of the following corn, cottonseed, or sunflower oil, and salt. You bet your ass there was salt. Sodium, 270 milligrams. 11% of my daily total, apparently. It made me sick. I shouldn't be subjecting my body to that crap day after day. Well, Maybe once in a while, but not daily. Needless to say, I took the chips and gave them to the nearest hungry trash can, which gobbled up the golden slices of heart attack. That night, the dream happened. 
I'm driving along a Texas back road. I've never been to Texas, but still, there I am, driving along Badlands somewhere. My car sputters and comes to a stop. A neon sign cuts through the darkness, maybe half a mile away. A gas station and a convenience store. Saved! I hoof it. To find the place abandoned, deserted. Everything is in pristine order, only not a human around. The door squeaks somewhere as tumbleweed passes through, headed nowhere but somewhere all the same. Well, I need to see if anyone is around, so I walk through the sliding double doors, only to encounter maybe four or so human-sized Lay's brand classic potato chips. And they're staring at me hungrily. They want to eat me. I try to back up out the doors. Locked. So, one of them comes up to me, and I'm crouching, bobbing, weaving, bobbing, and weaving. Hell, I could have been a contender with moves like that. I fake left, I go right, sinking my teeth into the chip. Its bloody, its body contorts, and I press my teeth deeper into where its carotid artery is, and his blood... I guess it's onion dip, gushes like a geyser in a torrent onto the walls, splattering them in a beigeish, off-white, onion-colored splotch. His little leggy things are still kicking as I eat the rest of him. From nowhere, one of the chip creatures bites its teeth down on my leg. Ah! I'm screaming, not just from the pain, but in a form of animal ferocity. I tackle one of them into, into the onion dip and bite his head off. The one that bit me is on the floor, his legs crushed to crumbs from my last charge. Vengeance, I learned, is a dish best refrigerated and served again as leftovers for breakfast. I ate him slowly and with gusto from his legs all the way up to his head, leaving him alive for as long as possible. When I arose from the almost vampiric feast, I saw the last one trudging down the road. I wouldn't let him get away. As I tried to chase after him, my bit leg gave way and I crumpled like a pack of cards. There was something stuck in my leg. I crawled around the store and got what I needed. A shaving razor, a bottle of vodka, some gauze, a pair of tweezers. It was go time. I took a swig of the vodka to steady myself, then poured most of the rest on the wound. It stung like hell. I took advantage of the pain to distract myself from the even greater pain of the razor, cutting the flesh round the bite so as I could get the tweezers in deeper. By then, I was screaming. Ah, God, there's fucking insanity in there. Eventually, I got around to the tweezers. I dipped them in the vodka and heated them with a Zippo lighter, you know, to cauterize the wound. I think I saw that in one of those doctor shows like Scrubs. Scrubs is a funny show. But anyways, I was sticking the red-hot vodka-covered tweezers into the fold of my skin where Mr. Cannibal Potato Chip had bitten and thus lodged a crumb of himself or something in my leg. I stuck the tweezers in, and let me tell you, I may have been asleep. I may have been dreaming, but that, that actually hurt. Ah!
Oh, oh, I'm striking my head off. Ah, causing a god-awful racket. Eventually, the nerves in my fingers send signals to my brain that the tweezers have found something. So I get a good hard grip on it. And I yank it out. More screaming. Ah! Oh, ah! Oh, I... Where was I? Ah! Oh, God! I mean, fuck! That was painful! And after I got it out, I just lay on the floor for a few minutes until I woke up. Let me tell you, that sure as hell scared me straight. No more potato chips! Let that be a lesson to you kids. Eat right or die. That's right. If you don't eat healthy, the unhealthy foods will eat you. That is not a joke. Do you think that's funny? Do you think AIDS is funny? That cancer is funny? That the JFK assassination is funny? Well, it's not. And now you know the lesson of my dream. I don't dream. I don't dream when I go to sleep. There's never enough time to dream. (laughs) Hello, my name is John, and I suffer from insomnia. Hi, John. We sleep because the brain needs sleep. The body only needs to rest. But when you don't sleep, you start to lose your mind. It slips through your fingers like custard or jello or some sort of jam or other slippery, slimy confection. You don't sleep. You're like a dolphin. With dolphins, half their brain goes to sleep at a time and the other half stays awake. That's kind of how it is. You become docile and... Just sit and watch TV for hours. They don't have shows on at three in the morning. It's just static. That's all there is. But even then, you watch it. You focus on it. Just to have something to do. Just to keep your mind busy. That's why we dream. It stimulates our brains so we don't forget we're alive and we never wake up. Sometimes there's a good porno on at one. That always makes me happy. Well, it lasts at least, but as soon as they start, they're over. Time goes differently while you're awake for days on end. Did you know the ancient Romans used to kill their prisoners by depriving them of sleep? Even today, the Israeli army uses sleep deprivation tactics to better interrogate their prisoners. Not that Israel is an evil country. It has a right to exist, but that's a whole other can of worms. Eventually, you start to lose track of hours, days, months. They all blend together like a pinwheel of color, a vibrant collage. One o'clock feels like seven in the morning. There really is no difference. I've tried everything to get to sleep. I tried pills, all kinds of pills, Alhambra, Lactosilin, Mitoniosil, Jirabu control of fornicatin. I don't even know what that last one was, but I took it anyway. Let's, let's see. No, 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 no. Is this it? No, no, 
No, no, no, I'll need those for later. No, no, Viagra. No, 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 ah, here we go. Jerbu control of fornicadin. Take one hour before bed. Do not ingest with high amounts of calcium, sodium, or cholesterol. Do not take with alcohol. This drug runs the risk of dependency. Side effects include narcolepsy, insomnia, and death. If you feel sleepy within the first half hour of ingestion, contact poison control immediately. Huh. Jerbuke control of fornicadin. What would I do without you? Oh. Wow. I feel sleepy. Huh. Maybe my increase in dosage was a bad idea. I don't think it's working. Taking more than the recommended dosage runs the risk of death. Huh. That sucks. These delusions of grandeur are certainly grand. Shit. I'm probably dying. It's all better for me then. I'm better off. I can sleep now. I've found my Katmandu. My Shangri-La. Shit, I can't go like this. I have to stay awake. Where, 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 need caffeine to keep me awake. Where, where's, where's, where, shit, shit, caffeine. I need caffeine. Yes. Oh, there we go. Oh. Hey, look, it's one o'clock. I bet there's a good porno on somewhere. <sighs> Dreams. Vast landscapes within our minds. Keys to unlocking the mystery of the human mind. <laughs> Why do we dream? What are we seeing? Hello. I'm Dr. Gwyneth Chandler, Professor of Psychology at New Jersey Community College. It was said that the Maltese Falcon is the stuff dreams are made of. Well, what are dreams made of? Throughout the day, we take in a vast array of information. Our senses are bombarded every second of every day. Our eyes take in new sights. Our fingers caress foreign objects, stimulating our sense of touch. We taste new foods, smell new scents, hear new sounds. All that information goes into our brain, the hub, per se, of the human body. Though the brain can store vast quantities of information, overstimulation can tire out the brain and will, eventually, result in an untimely death. Over time, the brain would swell to gastronomical proportions and would eventually expel from the ears in the form of earwax. <laughs> Little do sufferers of overstimulated brains know every time they Q-tip their ears, that's brain they're cleaning out. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> or do I? 
Dreams uh, give us a way of relaxing our brains from the overcrowded day by resting the body and shutting down the brain. But you can't shut a brain off, can you? <laughs> Instead, the body offers us dreams as a sort of screensaver for our brain. The brain is a little like the hard drive of a computer. Throughout the day, it, it heats up and needs time to cool. Well, you put it on sleep mode and the screensaver comes up. So you see, the brain is resting, but the body is restless, bored. So, to stimulate the body and keep it stationary and resting, the brain projects dreams to, quite simply, <laughs> keep our body entertained as though the brain were a drive-in movie theater. <laughs> So, that is why we dream. But what are dreams made of? What is the rest? Well, the rest, my friends, is history. Dreams are memories stored in the mind, our own history, composted into little vignettes that play out as our dreams. In your dreams... You will never be in a place you haven't been before or seen before. Never meet anyone you haven't seen in your life or on the television. Never taste a foreign object or feel a new touch. In fact, in dreams, we only see. Touching, hearing, smelling, and feeling are forbidden! <laughs> yes. It is impossible to experience other sensations while in the dream state. You could think you tasted a burger, but you couldn't actually taste it. Indeed, there is the illusion of satisfying hunger, but that is simply placebo effect from imagining eating a burger. You may think in a dream that you are talking to a friend, but actually, you never hear them. It is almost a... Telepathic communication. A symbiotic link between two people in an instant. There is the transfer of information, but without the complication of words and sounds. Indeed, you could not touch or actually feel anything in a dream. Oh, you could pull and yank on something all you want, but it would never come. <laughs> Second base. Anyway. Dreams deem delightful dialects of definite delectability, a sexy sassoon selecting a succulent samovar of sweet secretions, a veritable variety of venomous visions, and also an amazing array of attractive activities affecting the actions of an ambiguous amphitheater attendee. That attendee could be you. Or you? Or you? Imagine. Try. Imagine. Imagine a world where everybody dreams the same dream. The whole world is in the dream. Everyone is linked. 
They are sleeping in the real world, but in the world of the dreams, everyone is awake. Everyone is himself or herself. Everyone is healthy. No one is sick. No one is dying. No one is dead. Somehow the whole world, everyone dreaming at once. All of their dream personalities ended up in this field with the rest of the world. You'd see all your friends. No one would be enemies. Jews, Muslims, Christians would play football together. Scots, English, and Irish would drink lager and sing songs with Germans and French. The rest of the world wouldn't hate Americans. There would be no genocide, no racism. There would be food. A great banquet for all the people in the world to enjoy. No one would go hungry. Starvation would be a thing of the past. And it would all be kosher, vegetarian, fine for anyone to eat. And it would be delicious. One by one, people would disappear from the Eden, from the paradise. They would be waking up. And then your time would come. And you'd open your eyes and face a place of hatred and war and bigotry. They would be homeless people dying in the street. They'd be obese from the mass-produced poison designed to slowly rid the world of the poor families, the racial families, the different families, who cannot afford anything else until they develop diabetes and become morbidly obese. And then they die. And the dream becomes a reality in heaven. But meanwhile, while we're here on earth, and the earth is dying, she cries poison acid from her skies, which we put there, and her children, the animals, die. And one day, when you open your eyes from the dream, there won't be any animals left. Vegetables are enlarged with pesticide, designed to ward away bugs, but instead, turning us into them. Insects. Still, we keep on dreaming. Back to all the other humans. Back to heaven. Back to peace. Back to imagination. Back to innocence. But every night, the crowd of people there gets smaller. At first, you don't notice it, but slowly, surely, less people show up to the paradise of slumber and dream state. But they've all died in the real world. They've gone into the earth, up to heaven. Not the heaven in your dreams, but real heaven. And all the while, we still sleep in our comfy little beds. And the earth dies. And the other humans die. And we die. We kill ourselves. As our bodies die, so do our morals. With age, we become increasingly bitter at the world that has left us to rot, and we seek to destroy it, to avenge our suffering. But we don't imagine. We don't remember all the good time you had as a person during your life. You just mope around all day and suffer, 
And at the end of the day, with night coming, that's the best part of your day. You look forward to going to sleep because it means when you do, you dream and you go back to paradise. Though you may be young and still with some life to look forward to, like high school or college or marriage, you still prefer to dream, to imagine. Because you know that when you wake up, you're one day closer to no more war or hatred or famine. One day closer to the end of killing the earth with toxins and noxious emissions. You're one day closer to peace because you're one day closer to death. To dream, to die, to sleep. No more. You've been listening to David Austin Groon, Diana Brown. Christopher DeYoung, Jennifer Jaje, and Zach Stern in And the Cigars Will Burn All Night Long, The Dreams of the Common Man by Ruben Raskin, directed by Dylan Russell, theme by Steve Kahn. Radio Star is a Cassandra's Call production. Find more at radiostarnetwork.com.